Connect Church family, I am so pumped to be concluding our series today, Socially Transmitted Diseases. Many people have been calling it affectionately STD. Now, if you're new to our church, we want to welcome you to our online community. We love you. My name is uh, Devin. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am honored to be able to speak and declare God's word to you. Uh, I'd love to get right into it because I have a lot to say in a little bit of time. Um, but let me review a little bit of what our pastor has taught us in the last few weeks. Now, viewer discretion is advised. Uh, honestly, this is a little bit more of a parental, explicit content kind of advisory. Um, because we've been talking about some pretty heavy stuff. And one of the things I love about our church is we are willing to go there. Uh, because my dad says this all the time, to grow here, you have to go there. And I love that because uh, we're a church that is all about and obsessed with building up big people. I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes. But uh, for us, we want to honor you, welcome you. Thank you so much for being with us and attending today. Um, we have a ton of different people and a ton of different opportunities to get connected to. And so we'd love to see you in a small group or an upcoming uh, small group semester. Uh, get involved in a team, however you possibly can. We want you in community. Don't just be coming to an event or joining in a service online. Get involved in community. God's going to radically transform your life. It's going to be amazing. That being said, I want to review the uh, series so far. And I really think it can be summed up in this one phrase is, can we agree to disagree and still be friends? I love what our pastor said in week one and both week two, he utilized that phrase right there. And I think it embodies and encapsulates the entire series is Daniel had a dilemma. We've been going through chapters one through six, and we're really talking about the story of Daniel. Today, I want to talk about the life of Daniel. I want to talk about exactly like, what is a Daniel? How can we define and align and really uh, give key descriptives and distinctives of a Daniel? I want to, I want to produce in our church Daniels. And I'll define what that is in a second. But essentially, Daniel had to stand firm in his faith, in his beliefs, not compromising on the truth. But he also loved well. He grew in influence. He didn't lose influence. And I think there are three benefits of this series. And as I conclude today, I want to give you the benefits of this series. So if you haven't watched a particular part of the series, go back on YouTube. Go back on our podcast, which, by the way, we have hundreds of listens every single week on both YouTube and our podcast platforms. So go back because this is going to be the benefits of the series. You're going to have a stronger identity, a strong, strong identity. You're going to keep your integrity. Come on, how many know we need integrity? We need integrous filled leaders and believers in culture today. But more than that, you're going to grow in your influence. Three eyes, integrity, uh, your, your identity, your integrity, and your influence will grow as a result of this series. Go back and watch week one where, where Pops talks about cultural concerns. Week two, we talk about grace and truth. Week three, we talk about standing up and standing strong. We stand up and we have courage in the in midst of opposition. And he talks through this that we've gone from a salvation gospel to a, uh, a social gospel. And then now we're really in a culture and a climate, especially in the Christian faith, where we're in a silent gospel. Salvation gospel is Jesus only. Come on, it's Jesus and Jesus alone that gets us saved. It is not through your works that gets you into heaven. It is Jesus alone. But then somehow, some way, it's been delineated to where it's become a social gospel where we work for God or we work to get salvation, or we work to get approval. And then it's all the way whittled down now to where we have a silent gospel. And the only way people know that you're a Christian is because you see it on an Instagram bio or a Facebook bio, but they can't see it with their life. And we got to change this. And in our church, this is our prayer, is that we would raise up Daniels. Last, set, uh, last uh, series, we talked about raising up Nehemiahs, builders, kingdom builders. In this series, we really want to do a case study on the man of Daniel. 
and I want to define what a Daniel is. But go there to uh, Daniel chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. I'm going to read out of the ESV translation. This is what it says. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. This is a very popularized story for those that are newer to church or newer to our community. I'm not going to... I'm not going to assume that you know what this story is. And so I'll give a debrief of what it is in a few moments. But here's the context. Here's the main climactic part of this entire story. Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, may that be said of you, by the way, that even in the face of opposition, even in the middle of compromising circumstance, people would say, you serve your God continually. And, and the king said, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace. He spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him. And sleep fled from the king. Sleep fled from the king. I want to pray. Father, we love you. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to be able to speak your word. Help me to do it with boldness, with clarity. We want to raise up Daniels in our church. So for those that are listening to the sound of my voice, I pray you would speak to them and may the Daniel that's on the inside of them come out and come alive. Even in the face of opposition, even in the face of the mouths of the lions, I pray that we would have people that would stand up and be bold to stand firm and to love well and not be not inherit these socially transmitted diseases that we see so often in culture. Help us to see Jesus, help us to hear from heaven, and help us to encounter the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Um, I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, okay? I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, and I'm visiting family, and I'm down there. Uh, This was in the middle of quarantine last year. So Nat and I were like, hey, everybody's working from home. You know what we're going to do? We're going to go down to Florida. We're going to enjoy our time down there. Uh, We're going to be in the hot sun. It was like, you know, March, April, so it's still relatively cold. And so we go down there, had a great time. In the middle of COVID, in the middle of quarantine, what I really developed a love for was actually love to bike. I don't know. I just developed a love for biking. I biked like two, three times a week. It was great cardio. I got to travel long distances. I got to be outside a lot. And um, when I went down to Jacksonville, I wanted to continue that. And so I asked around for family members and I said, hey, do any of you guys have a bike that I could borrow that I could use? And uh, one of my uncles down there, my, one of my uncle-in-laws, um, we call him Chuzeka. So Zeka, if you're watching this, shout out to my guy Zeka. Um, incredible Brazilian man of God, and he passes his bike over. Now, he loves to, he has like an Olympic-style bike, but there was one caveat to this bike that was a little interesting and unique, was that this bike was completely gold. Like, from top to bottom, the handlebars were gold, the wheels were gold, like, all the rims were gold, everything was completely gold, and I'm like, bro, I mean, okay, I mean, if you really want to, you know, shine bright like a dime, as Rihanna says, you know, I, I don't know what was going on with him, but it was a gold bike, so I said, you know what, I'll compromise, I'll take it, let's do it. A couple days go by. I'm riding this bike, this ride, this bike was smooth. It was silky smooth, to be honest. It was awesome, I loved riding it. I was outside, and what I noticed is a bunch of people, as they were driving by, they were always staring at me and looking at me, to the point where some people just yelled out some weird stuff. I couldn't understand half of it. Some people were like, hey, nice bike, buddy! And I'm like, this is not my bike. And I was so locked in that oftentimes I didn't even know what was happening. I had my AirPods in. And so I'm listening to music. I'm listening to maybe some messages. I'm listening to our podcast. Shout out to our podcast, Five Way Podcast. Holla at your boy. I make sure you like and subscribe. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing this kind of stuff. And I noticed a bunch of people are looking at me. And I forget why, but I realized later as I got home, like, why are all these people staring at me? 
And of course I look down and I see, oh, it's probably because my bike is completely, completely gold. Okay, they're probably looking at me like, who's this Willy Wonka looking dude right now going by and probably biking off to the chocolate factory right now. So I, I probably look like an absolute goon to the, a lot of these people. But what I realized and what I thought about is, is this, is people will always look at you different because they see the gold that's on the inside of you. Man, I pray this is what happens to our church family. It's that all of us would recognize you got gold in you. What I translated to this, to this metaphor, you're leader. You got something unique on the inside of you. And I pray when people see you, they see the gold. They see the leader in you. They see, they see the value in you. They see that you are uniquely different than everybody else. And this is where it comes down to Daniel's story. I want to define Daniel because one of my mentors, he is a, we call him a spiritual surgeon. He, this, man is, this man is a theological juggernaut. Okay, he defines Daniel as this. He says Daniel is God's people doing good work in the public sector for the common good. That's Daniel. God's people doing good work in the public sector for the common good. Uh, Daniel is God's people doing good work in the public sector for the common good. And this is you and this is me. This is all of us. This is Christians. And I pray we are not scared of culture, but we can influence it and we can infiltrate it. And I believe that we can redeem culture. My God, we have been so poor at this for so long. Christians have been terrible at this. Is we shun culture, we avoid culture. Come on, we'll shut our lights off when people are trick-or-treating at our door and we don't give them candy because, oh, we're going to participate in demonic stuff. No, you got people walking to your front door, family. Walking to your front door and you can at least be loving. You can at least be kind. You can at least introduce yourself. You can at least say, this is, you know, this is our family. What's your name? They're your neighbors. And we have people that are terrified of culture when God calls us to influence it. You are called to be salt. You are called to be light. These things are things that are applied to culture to make it more flavorful, to make it more preserved, to make it better. Because this is the command and call of every Christian. It's to not be scared of culture, but to influence it. And we have lost our influence. And this is our heart cry at our church. Our heart cry is this, is not that we would build a big church. Our heart cry is that we would be obsessed and built with building big people. We're not interested in building a big church, just having a lot of people show up. No, we don't want a lot of people to show up. We want to raise up men and women of God, our youth and young adults. We call this, we want to raise up kings and queens, influencers, wherever they go, whatever space they occupy, that they would be influencers for the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is meant to be advanced. And you cannot advance the kingdom if you are scared of the world. We're not scared of the world. We actually love the world. We are burdened for the world because we see the brokenness of the world. And so we're not here to raise up a big church. We're here to raise up big people. We're not scared of culture. We redeem culture. We don't point out the world's problems. We provide solutions to the world's problems. We don't pray, God, send me an answer. We pray, God, make me an answer. I want to be an answer to the problems that are going on in culture. Because I don't think that everybody else is called to solve the problems. I think you and I are. Listen, if it's Christian, it should be the best ever. If you got the mark of God on your life, Christine Kane, she says it like this, I don't need to be marketed by man because I am marked by God. You and I are not to be scared of what's going on in the world. We are to lead it, to influence it. And Daniel is a perfect portrayal of who this embodies. He is God's people doing good work in the public sector for the common good. He is God's man. Now listen, Daniel was a Jewish exile. 
And so what happened oftentimes was Daniel would open up his windows and he would pray to the city of Jerusalem, pray towards the city of Jerusalem. And he would bless his city. He would thank God. He would say, one day, my city is going to be rebuilt. One day, my city is going to be restored. One day, we're going to see God reign in this city again. And he's in the middle of Babylon, a crazy culture that is just vile, to be honest. And he just inherited a new, essentially a new king, King Darius. And it goes into our story a little bit, but I want to talk about three different facets of Daniel's story today. I want to talk about the plot against Daniel. I want to talk about the punishment of Daniel. And then I want to talk about the prosperity of Daniel. Because this story has an incredible ending, but we have to be in the middle of the story first to realize and recognize how Daniel did it. How did he not compromise on his faith? What do you do when your faith is under fire? Watch this, the plot against Daniel. So Daniel chapter 6, verse 1 through 3. I'll read this out loud. So the Bible says that it pleased Daniel to set over the kingdom 120 satraps throughout the whole kingdom. Over them, three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give an account. So Daniel was the top dog of the top three of the top 120 leaders of the entire kingdom. Okay, so like this is a leader of leaders of leaders of leaders. Okay, this is Daniel. He's God's man doing good work in the public sector for the common good. This was Daniel. And so the Bible says that, verse 3, Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials, officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was upon him. I love that phrase. May it be said of you and I that we have an excellent spirit that's upon us, that whatever we do, we give it our all. That's excellence right there. As he had an excellent spirit on him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Watch this. So, so the king planned to set him over the entire kingdom. How many know elevation oftentimes comes with agitation. Matter of fact, it always comes with agitation. So the greater reward of graduation is what? More responsibility. When you go from third grade to fourth grade, you get more responsibility. You get more homework. You get more learning. But your muscles grow. Your mind is expanding. Your body is growing. And so the reward of elevation, in this case, was agitation because Daniel was raised up to a level that was second only to the king. This man was a good man. He was a godly man, and he was doing good work in the public sector. This is a Daniel. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find ground or a complaint against Daniel in regards to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint. This was a man of integrity. This was a man of character. This was a man after God's heart. This was a man who was disciplined. This was a man who had incredible morality. He was a principled man. And they tried to find fault with Daniel. They could not find any fault. And when they realized they could not find any fault, he doesn't cheat on his taxes. He doesn't cheat on his wife. He's not a liar. He's not a scandalous. He doesn't have skeletons in the closet. So they said, you know what the one thing we can trap him with? They said his faith. So here's what these guys do. The plot against Daniel was this, is that they would go and they would go to the king, King Darius, and say, King Darius, why don't you sign a decree for the next 30 days? Nobody can pray to their gods. They could only pray to you. And so what these men were doing was they were not communicating with the king. They were manipulating him. And they said, all of us, and they were insinuating that Daniel was in agreement with this. All of us, the high officials, the satraps, the counselors, the governors, all of us are in agreement that this should be put in place. And so the king being manipulated, being flattered, and they appealed to his pride. By the way, watch this. King Darius's pride was appealed to. And the pride didn't just hurt him. The pride can kill others. 
Pride doesn't just hurt you, by the way. Pride can kill your family. Pride can kill your joy. Pride can kill your relationships. Pride can kill your future. And so what, Daniel, what, 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 what King Darius did was he listened to the flattery and the manipulation of these satraps and said, all of us are in agreement. They can only pray to you because you are God. And so these men said, because you are a God, they're only going to pray to you. And King Darius said, signed a decree. I love that idea. That is genius. And what he did not realize was his favorite government official, Daniel. He just signed his death sentence. Be careful when you get prideful. I think more dangerous than somebody's criticisms are actually their compliments. I got to write that down in my notes. That was really good right there. I got to remember that. Dan, don't let me forget that. More dangerous than people's compliments are, or more dangerous than people's criticisms are their compliments. These are so valuable, so important principles that I pray you can apply to your life today. So the plot against Daniel was underway. Daniel, it says this in verse 10, I believe. It says, when Daniel knew that the document has been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber and he opened it towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day, morning, afternoon, and night. This was a man of prayer. This was a man after God's own heart. And he knew a document had been signed. He heard about it. Now these leaders lied to King Darius. By the way, you got to be so, so careful with who is speaking into your life. Please don't, just because somebody has authority doesn't mean they won't manipulate that authority. And so King Darius's leaders lied to him. His leaders were liars. His leaders were liars just to trap Daniel and Daniel knew this document had been signed. So what do you do when your faith is under fire? It was said, it was a legal decree put out that you cannot pray to your God. And so will, Dan, will Daniel disobey the law? Or will he obey his heavenly father and be in communion with his father? Well, we find out later that he gets down on his knees and he opens his window unashamedly saying, I can't do this by myself. And just because you've signed a law, he goes, I am not a citizen of Babylon first. I am a citizen of heaven first. And he gets on his knees. He prays before the Lord and he says he thanks God. And then he blesses his city. He's praying for revival in his city. And the satraps and the high officials find him praying, go figure. And they approach King Darius. And they say, we caught him. You signed this decree. You cannot revoke your own word. You signed it, King Darius. And King Darius was immediately distressed. The Bible says he was freaking out. And he says he wanted to set Daniel free as much as possible, but because he wrote it down, he signed it with his own signature, he sealed Daniel's fate. So because he was manipulated by other people and because pride got the best of him, he signed Daniel's fate. He essentially killed Daniel because of his own pride, because he wanted to be worshipped as a god. He realized that now because of Daniel's God, he was going to be thrown into the lion's den and essentially sealed Daniel's fate. But I want you to note something. Because many people would think that because Daniel disobeyed the laws and the decrees of the city that he was in, that he was being disobedient to the king. And I would like to go off on a venture and preach this this way is that Daniel was not being disobedient to the king. He was actually being obedient to the one true king. This is not a story about Daniel's rebellion. This is a story about Daniel's obedience because he was a man who knew how to pray. He was a man that knew the superpower that prayer was. And you will not influence culture 
if you don't learn how to pray. Daniel was not being disobedient to King Darius. He was being obedient to King Jesus. That's what Daniel's story is all about. He was a godly man doing good work in the public sector for the common good. And the reason he was in the positions of influence, the reason he had power was because he was a man of prayer. And the very thing that got him there was the very thing that was going to sustain him and save him even at the face of the lions. So we move on into the story. He was thrown into the pit. And as the stone laid on the mouth of the den, the Bible says that nothing could be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and sleep fled from him. So watch. The king signed the seal. Daniel can no longer go forward. He's going to be discontinuing his leadership in the kingdom of Babylon. And as this was essentially a signed seal delivered for sure fate, Daniel would not remain and Daniel would be killed by the mouths of the lions. But the Bible says something so interesting that the Bible says that God sent forth angels to shut the mouths of the lions. I want to talk for a second and camp out here on the power of prayer because I think this is so important. God in his power and his miraculous intervention because of Daniel's prayers would intervene. This is why we pray, by the way. Write these three things down. We pray, number one. Why do we pray? We pray, number one, because it increases intimacy. It increases intimacy with the Father. My sheep know my voice, the Bible says. And so, and so God because of our communion, because of our, our prayers, we just develop a relationship with each other and God, God cannot bless people he does not trust and he does not know. And so I find it so fascinating to me because it increases his intimacy, but it also expresses our dependence. That's what prayer does. It increases intimacy, it expresses dependence. Is that I cannot do this by myself. Something I wrote down in my notes is this, production without prayer is pride. I think, I know we can go and we think we can build businesses. We think we can uh, parent our kids well. Listen, production, doing good work is prideful if you don't include prayer with it. I can't just do this by myself. I need to partner with God in this because I can't do what I do by myself. I can't preach by myself. I can't lead people by myself. I can't give proper counsel by myself. My intellect, my wisdom will fail you. But prayer increases intimacy with God. It expresses dependency with them. Prayer also invites intervention. Pastor Zenzo Matoya, he says it like this. He's going to be with us in January, by the way. He says it like this. God will not affair, God in his integrity will not budge into the affairs of man without invitation. Meaning that you have not because you ask not. Have you asked God to help? Have you asked God to intervene? Have you asked God to be a part of your situation and circumstance? Because that's what prayer does. Why do we pray? Because one, it increases intimacy. Two, it increases and expresses dependency. But three, it invites intervention. I don't know about you. I need God in some of my circumstances. I need God parenting my kids. I need God preaching the word. I need God leading God's church. I need God in all the aspects of my life. I need God stewarding my finances. I need God to find opportunities. I need God for open doors. I need God for closed doors. I need God for discernment. We need God. And I don't know how people do it without him nowadays, but prayer increases our intimacy, prayer expresses our dependence, prayer invites intervention. And the pride of prayerlessness is this, is that you think you can do it by yourself. That is the root cause of why people don't pray, is because we think we can do it in our own strength. We think we can do it by ourselves, and that, my friends, is pride. If you think you can do it by yourself, wait till you hit the road 
and life crashes and burns in front of you. And this is why Americans, we are so reactive with our prayers and prayer is our last resort. It is not our first response. And my prayer, and I know this is the heart of our pastor, because in January, we're going to be doing a 21 day fast. And I want to express and I want to challenge our church family. It's time to get involved. It's time to get in prayer. It's time to pray for your families. It's time to plead the blood of Jesus over your future, over your present, even over your past, because the blood of Jesus is sufficient enough to forgive your sins. I'm telling you, we got to get learning how to pray. I'll use this little illustration. I went down to Brazil, and I was down in Fortaleza. We went off on a resort trip. Um, it was to see, you know, my wife's homeland and see some family down there, and it was beautiful. We're on the north coast of Brazil, it was amazing. And the Brazilian sun is just different, okay? Now, I'm a white boy. I know you might think uh, he's a Brazileiro. Listen, my life is Brazilian at this point. Uh, my life is all about beans and rice and Jesus Christ. That's it, okay? That's all I do. Um, but I'm down in Fortaleza. I know you like that joke. That was a good one. Uh, so I'm down in Fortaleza. The sun is just, it just hits different, okay? So as a white boy, you know, a little bit more of a pale complexion. I'm in the sun, crispy, dude, crispy, okay? I, like, I got burnt to a crisp day one, and I'm there for like, how long were we there for, babe? I think like two, three weeks. Day one, I am crispy. I am burnt to a crisp, okay? I have to wear like sweatshirts everywhere. Like, I like this on, don't get me wrong. I'm not that guy. I'm putting on SPF like 400 at this point. But I realized this, a day, just moments you spend in the sun, you always return back, watch, different. When you spend time with the Father, when you spend time with the Son, you will always look different. And this is why prayer is so important. Prayer is communion with God. Prayer is also confrontation with the devil. When you spend time with the Father, you look different, you act different, you feel different, and you literally have a glow to you. That's what happens when you pray. And this is Daniel's story. And Daniel went into the lion's den. You probably noticed I did not give my title for my sermon yet. And here's why. is because Daniel went into the lion's den. God shut the mouths of the, of the lions. And Daniel came back out. And the Bible says in verse, let's see. The Bible says in verse 16. May your God whom you continually serve deliver you. Verse 18, verse 19, I'm sorry. Then at break, the king arose and went into the haste of the den of the lions as he came near to the den where Daniel was. So watch the narrative switch. This whole time it was always the lion's den. But then all of a sudden, the Bible says, where the den where Daniel was, Daniel spent a night with the lions, and he came out unscathed, unharmed, untouched. He actually came out honoring, exciting. The, many people, what the text would suggest is that this man was at rest. This is so fascinating to me, because the narrative was the lion's den, but then all of a sudden it says the den where Daniel was. This wasn't the lion's den anymore. Here's the title of my message. This was Daniel's den. This was Daniel's den. And here is the heart of this entire message right here. Is that the devil wants to feed you to the lions, but God wants to turn you into one. The devil wants to feed you to the lions. He wants you to feed you to culture. He wants you to be consumed by all these problems. But God wants to turn you into a lion as opposed to being fed by them. I'm telling you, this is God's plan. This is God's story. This is God's work. This is God's will is that you be turned into a lion. You are not scared by your circumstances, but you overcome your circumstances. Come on. He has made us more than overcomers, the Bible says. And this, this is God's intention. This is God's plan for you and I, is that you would not be fed to the lions. You would become one. And I want to show you how Daniel did this. 
Now, he was a man of prayer. You can't do this without prayer. You can't do this without dependence on God, without intimacy with the Father, without inviting divine intervention. But he shut the mouths of the lions. And this is what prayer will do for you. Prayer will touch God's heart. Prayer will move God's hand. Prayer will shut their mouths. That's what prayer will do for you and for I. For you and for me. I don't know why I said I right there. But he will do it for you and for me is that prayer changes things. Prayer doesn't just change things. Prayer changes nations. Prayer invites the supernatural to disrupt and disorient the natural order. These lions were supposed to feast on Daniel, but God shut the mouths of the lions. And I want to show you how Daniel got into this position. I want to show you through three key descriptives and distinctives. You want to know how, how we become a Daniel? What do Daniels look like? What do Daniels act like? How do Daniels behave? What are Daniels habits? Well, here's, here's three things. This is what Daniels are known for. Remember, God's people doing good work in the public sector for the common good. I got three things. Number one, Daniels are known for, number one, their ethics. Their ethics. Their ethics. Daniel was a man of principle. He was a man of integrity. He was blameless before God, the Bible says. And so because he had the ethics, because he was such a smart, skilled, highly, highly intelligent individual. This man knew what he believed. This man knew his vision. This man knew his values. This man knew his value. Daniel was a man of ethics. He didn't just submit to culture. He actually led it. And he designed curriculum, organization, to the point where he raised up to the highest level leadership, aside from the king himself. He faced opposition, and he did not fold on his beliefs I wrote this down in my notes. A standard isn't a standard unless you suffer for it. That's a fact right there. A standard isn't a standard unless you suffer for it. I've preached it like this before too. Conviction. So a belief is something you'll argue about, but a conviction is something you'll die for. Daniel would die for this conviction of, you will not let me not pray. I know you decreed a law, but I offer and I am submissive to a kingdom of heaven. I am a citizen of heaven before I'm a citizen of Babylon. He knew his ethics. He knew what he believed. He knew in whom he believed, and in what he believed in. This was a man of number one ethics. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, For the time will come, people will not put up a sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers and say what their itching ears want to hear. This is what we call moral relativism, by the way. It is the idea that there are no absolute rules to determine whether something is right or something is wrong. Listen, there is a way that seems right to a man, the scriptures say, but in the end it leads to death. And so in a moral relativistic culture where we say, oh, it's your truth, it's your truth, it's your truth. Listen, there is the truth, there is right, and there is wrong. And culture is acting like buffoons right now. But Daniel faced this very same thing where people say, you can't pray to your own God. Freedom, freedom of religion was just completely stripped from them. You have to pray to this king. Well, that king is a human being. That king is not to be worshipped. That king can be influenced. That king can be listened to. But that king is not my God. And Daniel would not sacrifice his morality because of other people's itching ears to hear whatever. He did not sacrifice his beliefs. Matter of fact, I was watching the movie Spider-Man. I was watching Spider-Man. Um, which one is it? Homecoming, I believe. Where... Mysterio. Mysterio is all about deception. So Jake Chillenhall plays Mysterio. And he says to Spider-Man as they're in this battle scene, this whole movie, Mysterio was seen as this good man. And at the very last few, few moments in the movie, of course, he switches the flip. He flips the switch and he becomes the villain. And he 
spends the whole movie tricking everybody. He was the king of deception. And his one little line stuck out to me. He says, Peter, nowadays, people will believe anything they hear. And this was his whole plot, was he was trying to get everybody to point the finger at Spider-Man, at Peter Parker. And he says, Peter, anybody will believe anything. To the point where Peter actually gave his trust, he gave his heart, he gave these, these specialty, this specialty tool to give to Mysterio, and he deceived everybody. May it not be said of you. May it not be said that you, with your itching ears, just listen to everything. I said this a few months ago, or a month ago. Not everything that sounds good is sound. Don't let your itching ears just listen to anything nowadays. Matter of fact, the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. What that doesn't say is let him ask horoscopes, let him ask crystals, let him ask Ouija boards, let him ask psychics. Did I step on your toes yet? <laughs> let him ask tarot cards, let him ask the Reiki, let him ask fortune telling, let him ask spiritism or divination, the Bible says. No, it says let him ask God. Ladies and gentlemen, the spirit world is a real thing. There are real demonic forces out there. And, and listen, the spirits are real, but they are not innocent. And nowadays we are trying to get answers from anything because we are so desperate to hear what we want to hear. And Daniel did this where he did not compromise on his values. He did not go to other sources. He did not pray to King Darius. He stood firm and he was his faith was under fire for it, but he remained calm at the face of opposition. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. Daniel was known for his ethics. Number two, Daniel was known for his excellence. This man was so distinguished from everybody else. The Bible says on multiple occasions in Daniel chapter five and Daniel chapter six, he so distinguished himself. He had an excellent spirit that was upon him. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities. Daniel chapter 5, verse 12. Because of an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems. This Daniel changed the nation. He changed everything for them. Excellence is this. Excellence is doing the best you can with whatever you have. And I pray you hear the benefits of excellence. The benefits of excellence are three things. The benefits of excellence are, number one, increased influence. You want to help people? Do your best with what you have wherever you are. You'll have increased influence. You'll have increased impact. Is you can make a huge difference in people's lives because of excellence. You put a stamp of God's approval on your work because you do everything as if under God. And then third, actually a huge benefit of excellence is increased influence, impact, but also income. You can make a difference and a dollar, by the way. I think it's foolishness nowadays to just think you can only make a difference and you have to sacrifice your joy and sacrifice your money if you want to make a difference. No, we need philanthropic leaders. We need people that will go off into the business world. We need entrepreneurs. We need people in entertainment and media. We need people in politics. We need people in family. We need people in education. We need people in all the seven mountains and seven spheres of influence. We need them everywhere. But excellence is the key descriptive of Christianity. It should be at least. Excellence is giving our best, no matter what we have. It is being meticulous. It is being detailed. Now, here's something I wrote down. Excellence will affect your well-being. It will also affect your witness. And Pastor Chris Mendez gave an incredible message on excellence just a few months ago. I think it was about two months ago. Go back online and listen to it on the YouTube channel. But he talks about this. He says, you are the brand of heaven on earth. 
because that's what excellence does. Excellence is the brand of heaven on earth. Excellence will affect your well-being, but it will also affect your witness. It is one thing to use God's name in prayer, but can God use your name as a witness? It's one thing to say in Jesus' name, and we use God's name all the time, but can God use your name? That behind the name Devin Fry, that behind whatever your name might be, does it have heaven's brand on it? Does it have excellence backed behind it? Are you a man of excellence? Are you a woman of excellence? Young person, you can be a person of excellence at a young age. We have some 13, 14, 15 year olds in this church at CY, in our student ministries, in our kids ministries that just have excellent, an excellent spirit upon them. And my prayer is that you develop a spirit of excellence. Daniel was known for number one, his ethics. Number two, his excellence. Number three, his endurance. His endurance is I noticed this one picture that was so fascinating to me, is we see a king who has everything and his best leader gets thrown into the lion's den. His best leader gets thrown into the lion's den and this man was going crazy. He was distressed. The Bible says he fasted. The Bible says he didn't want any distractions, any, anything coming towards him, any diversions, nothing. He just needed to fast. He needed to weep. Sleep ran from him, the Bible says. So he was sleepless. He was restless. And the king was sleepless in a royal bed. But Daniel was at peace in a lion's den. So we have two completely different environments. One person is the king. He is sleeping with everything. He has all the accolades. He's got a nice bed. I'm sure it's Tempur-Pedic. He's got the nice my pillows. You know, he's got all the great stuff. And this man is sleepless. He can't fall asleep. He's restless. He's fearful. He's scared. He realized what he just did, that he sentenced one of his best leaders to death. And so he's restless. And then you have this leader over here in Daniel, a prophet, who's literally sleeping on a rock. And in the face of any second could be eaten alive by hungry lions. But he was not by himself in that cave. There was an angel with him who shut the mouths of the lions. And one man in hell was at sleep, was at peace. And another man, and looked like an utopia, was restless. This is how God works, ladies and gentlemen, is you could face dire circumstances and still be at peace because even joy makes a rich man jealous. This is the God that we serve, is no matter your circumstance, like Daniel, who, by the way, was the real lion in that den, the alpha showed itself. This was Daniel's den. This was not a lion's den. Daniel took over that den because he was the alpha in that, in that situation. Daniel, through his endurance, because he had a rest for his soul. I remember not too long ago, I didn't have that. I didn't have that. I, I was sleeping at night. I was restless. I just played a basketball game. And I just remember thinking to myself, why can't I fall asleep? My body is exhausted. I had a game a couple hours ago. I changed up my pillows multiple times to the point where I had to literally get up out of bed. I grabbed one of the mattresses downstairs, pulled it out. I grabbed a small little mattress. It was a small little like Tempur-Pedic mattress. My grandfather used to sleep on it. I grabbed two new pillows and then I immediately fell asleep because I had to rest my head on something different than what I currently had. And that's you and I. But what do you do when your insides are tired? where your body is physically tired, but you're not getting emotional rest or your soul doesn't find rest. Well, it needs a new thing to rest on. And Daniel, although he was probably sleeping on a rock physically, his heart was sleeping in a rock spiritually. He knew the God that he served. 
He prayed to him morning, afternoon, and night. And this man was fully at rest. He had endurance in the middle of opposition to the point where this is what happens. And this is the conclusion of the story. And this is the conclusion of the sermon. Daniel gets out of the lion's den. Really, Daniel's den. He gets out. And the Bible says that the king did two things. The king punished the accusers and he prospered Daniel. This was Daniel's story. It was a plot against him. It was his punishment for prayer. But then it was his prospering. And because of Daniel's prayer, because of Daniel stood firm, did not compromise on his ethics. He upheld his morality, his integrity. This man stood firm. He also loved well. He was an excellent man. He had an excellent spirit, but he also had endurance. This Daniel, God's people, doing good work in the public sector for the common good. This Daniel endured, and his enemies were punished, and he prospered to the point where the king said this. He goes, I don't know how you did it. Matter of fact, yes, I do. Is this God that Daniel serves, whom he continually serves? This is what he says. He says, I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, verse 26, people are to tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. And he just starts to preach. So because of Daniel's endurance, the king got saved and the nation worshipped the God, the living God, the God of Daniel, the God everlasting. The Bible says, for he is the living God. Come on, I need, I need you guys to help, help me preach this. He is the living God. He is enduring forever. He, his kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall never shall be to the end. He delivers and he rescues. He works signs and he works wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. And he could save you. This is the God of Daniel. This is the God of Devon. And this could be the God for you. Is that God is a rescuer. He is a deliverer. He is alive. He is active. He is a way maker. He is a miracle worker. He is a change agent. He is a father to the fatherless. This is the God that we serve. And this is a God that is still alive and very active today. And what I love about Daniel is most people believe that either this was an angel, but a lot of scholars believe that this was a Christophany. In other words, this was the pre-incarnate Jesus. And so Jesus was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. Jesus was more than likely with Daniel in the lion's den, and Jesus can be with you in your present circumstance. Jesus never lets his people alone. And Daniel had a mission. Daniel had a calling. And because of his excellence, because of his endurance, he increased in power, he increased in position, he increased and he was promoted. He also increased in his profit. And in his entire life, the Bible says, for the rest of his life, this Daniel, verse 28, prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And Daniel's story can be your story. Is are you known for those, those three things, your ethics, your excellence, and your endurance? That's a Daniel. And that's our heart in this experience today, is that we would help provide a path, showcase the way that through your ethics, through your so distinguished spirit, your excellent spirit, and your endurance through opposition, you can be a Daniel. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray that everybody under the sound of my voice, that this message would touch their heart, that they would say internally, make me a Daniel, make me an answer, make me somebody like Daniel that would change the face of the planet, that I am God's person doing good work 
in the public sector for the common good. I pray that there be a Daniel spirit, a spirit of morality, a spirit of excellence, a spirit of they, they know what they believe. They know their values and they know their value, but also an enduring spirit that through the face of the mouths of the lions, that just like Daniel, a lion's den can be turned into Daniel's den. That wherever I set foot, I am not overcome by my circumstances, but I overcome those circumstances. I pray a spirit of Daniel over each and every single one of the people that are listening to this message today. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Hey, God bless you, church family. Thank you so much. I pray you got a lot out of this Socially Transmitted Diseases series. Go back and watch week one, two, or three. This is week four. Make sure you check this out. Maybe send it to a friend. Check us out on YouTube or podcast. God bless you. We hope to see you in experience nearby in Ashland and Framingham or even the Tri-County campus as we're developing our campus there. I'm actually the campus pastor there. We would love to see you soon. God bless you. We love you.